welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I've had a couple of questions in the last couple of weeks, and it's not the first time that I've had this question about a child that leaves the home and and they spin out of control into dysfunction and, and their life falls apart and they have no place to go. And so they turn back to home and they want to come back to their home. And so I've had a couple of people have a discussion with me about that. And again, it's a common discussion, sadly, but it is a part of our our fallenness. So basically, we have somewhat of a a prodigal son scenario working here. And so I want to I want to share a few ideas of how to interact with that particular situation, whether it's a a boy or a girl. It doesn't matter what I want to share with you. Uh, will apply to to either gender. Now, if you're helping someone and they're going through this uh, situation, then you know this podcast would be beneficial for you. And of course, if you're going through this, you're in this situation right now. I would encourage you not only to listen to the podcast, but but also take the show notes here, and you can print them off. You can. Mail them to yourself. You can text them. You can text them to a friend. You can get together with a, a helper or a counselor, a disciple, or a good friend, and you can start talking through some of these things. And so this is episode 223. The title of it is How to Love the Rebel Adult Child in Your Home. Here's the fictional case study that I'll, I'll use to kind of get the ball rolling, and then I want to share some Hopefully, some practical points that will that will help you uh, to serve your child if you're in this situation, and and for those for the rest of us, for those that we we want to bring care to and help as they navigate through this. But here's a scenario: our adult child moved out of our home when he was an older teen. His life fell apart, and he wants to return home to live with us. How should we? respond to him. Is it wise for us to let him come back home? What are some ground rules that we can put in place so our home does not reflect him, which reflecting him right now is chaos? And so what can we do? The tensions are at an all-time high when a child that you love dearly is ruining his life and he wants to return home because he has no place to go or she has no place to go. It is one thing to watch your children blow up from afar as you see them and they're not a part of your home, but you can you can see their lives playing out on Facebook or other ways that you interact with them. But it is a different ball game when that child now wants to bring their chaos into your home. And so what I hope to do here in this podcast is just share a few ideas for you to consider. I have 16 suggestions for you. And so you don't have to take notes here. I mean, again, you can go to this episode 223, episode 223 of Life Over Coffee, the title, How to Love the Rebel Adult Child in Your Home. And so I have 16 things that I want to share with you, and all 16 of them are not going to fit perfectly over what you may be going through now, or if you're helping someone, all of these things won't fit perfectly with that person but you will be able to find several of the things that I'm going to share with you. They'll be relevant 
to what's going on, and they will be applicable. You can practicalize them uh, in your life. And so if you want to read this, again, please uh, go to episode 223, and you can read what I am sharing with you. There's a random order here, and so the things that I'm going to share are not in order of priority, and so you can uh, scroll and pick and choose uh, what is important to you, and so I'll just give them to you. The first one is decision-making, how to decide. And I'm not talking about just should you bring your child home. Obviously, that is the first decision that you'll probably have to make. But when you bring him home, uh, well, you say that he's in chaos, and well, he's going to bring that chaos with him. And so what's going to happen is there will be ongoing decisions that you will have to make because of the things that will come up daily and weekly. I've, I've done this so many times with parents, and, and this is always part of, of the DNA of the chaotic child, is that you will have to work through decision-making. And that's why I added this as one of the 16 ideas. And I have an article that's embedded inside of here under the decision point. And what I would like for you to do is to click on it and then make sure that you become really, really familiar with how to make a biblical decision because you're going to run into it over and over again. And you know how you have to know how to do that. Number two, I want to talk about your reputation. This is a big deal when we are associated with with problems. And the big deal is we don't want other people to know what is wrong with us. I was talking to a pastor just yesterday, and, and they, he was telling me that they have a counseling ministry, and he said that they do more counseling outside the church than inside the church. And he, he went on to say that the reason for that is because people don't want others to know that they have a problem And that is so common with all of us. When something breaks down in our lives, especially in the spiritual realm, uh, uh, going on in our marriage, our marriage is in trouble, our our children are in trouble, or a hidden sin is being revealed, or things like that, we don't want other people to know about it. And that's why I add this point about your reputation, my reputation, because the temptation will be to hide the truth about our lives. It's really illogical, and I don't mean to be mean-spirited here, but let me. it's like you go to your doctor, but you withhold what is happening to you. You can't do that. Or it's like going to another town, a neighboring town, to see another doctor, because you don't want your doctor or your friends to know what is happening. That is illogical. You can't control this. You you don't want to control this, not to that degree to where you're not reaching out to get help because you are so concerned about what other people think about you. And so this idea of guarding your reputation, it can be a trap, and it can also keep you from the help that you need. And that flows into point number three, which is communication. You need to talk to somebody. You need to bring competent people into this situation so that you can borrow brains. Uh, you can receive discipleship care, but it will also not just receiving help for the questions that you have, but it will be a relief uh, for other people to 
carry you, to help you to carry these burdens. Now, what I'm, I'm not suggesting that you blab your problems all over the internet. Stay off Facebook. Don't tell, don't do that. That is a ditch that you don't want to fall in. But something that you're going to have to come to terms with, and I, I've somewhat come to terms with this in my life. I had a pastor tell me years ago, he said, Rick, gossip will never go away in the church, and it won't. And, and so people will say uncharitable and unkind things about you. But if your fear of what others may think is stronger than what God thinks about you, quite frankly, you have a worship disorder. And so I want you to fight to be God-centered and, and resist being reputation-centered because as a trap. You don't need that. You don't, you don't need to fall into that trap because you've got other things that you need to deal with. And getting the help you need, communicating to the appropriate people is critical, guarding against this idea to, to keep that polished, upfront reputation that is problematic. Number four is your marriage. You and your husband must be, or you and your spouse, if, if it's the husband that's asking the question, you and your spouse must be on the same page. And so if you have current disagreements that's going on in your life, if you have historical disagreements that have not been resolved, I recommend that you see your pastor or you see a trustworthy biblical friend that can help you because there, there's only one option or should be only one option in your marriage all the time, and that's a unified front inside and out. You see, at this point, it's even more imperative, it's more critical because your son is going to bring chaos to your home. That is the nature of a chaotic life. And if your marriage is not stable, it's going to divide you even more. Your marriage, if it's not stable now, it cannot take that kind of burden. And if that's the case, then it would be unwise for you to let him back into your home. Your number one priority, relationship priority, Outside of your relationship with God is your marriage, and you need to guard that. Children are not number one your marriage is when it comes to human relationships. And so number one, I talked about decisions. Make sure you know how to make a biblical decision. Number two, guard against the temptation of reputation. Number three, communication. Share with appropriate people. Number four, your marriage is, is most important. Number five, your child. Your, your son or your daughter, they are living out who they are. And I know for parents, it's, it's hard for us to accept this when we, when we see the reality of, of who our children are, by the life that they live. You see, the fruit of his life is showing his heart, and that's what Jesus talked about in Luke 6.45. And so in this dark time, there is a light of good news that's kind of tucked back in there. And the good news is, is that you know who he is as observed by his behavior. Jesus, most of us, and I was talking about this in the reputation thing. We want to mask who we are. Well, you can't help a person like that. And so in the situation of the rebellious son whose life has fallen apart, you have a clear view of who your child is. And I know that seeing that, knowing that, that's discouraging. 
But what I'm going to appeal to you to do is to take your soul to task and begin to express gratitude to God because the mask is off and you know what you have. There is no counselor, no discipler, no friend that could ever help anyone if they do not see that person and know the truth about that person. Number six, ground rules. The ground rules vary, and there, and every situation is going to be different, and so I'm not going to give you ground rules that you can implement because, it, quite frankly, it probably might not apply. But I do want to think, I do want you to think about this when you begin to talk with your spouse about ground rules and you bring another person in as far as discipling and they're helping you with this. One of the things I want you to think about is that all ground rules need to center around this idea of shalom. And what I mean by that is if something disrupts the peace that is in your home, then you can't tolerate it. Think about your home like like you, an individual. You see, when God regenerated us, before he regenerated us, we were chaotic. We were a chaotic mess. And then God spoke his word to us, and we were born again. And so he brought us from, from chaos to order, where he brought us from chaos to shalom, or peace. And that's what and so anything that would disrupt your personal peace, you need to get rid of it. You don't need to tolerate it. Well, think about your your home that way. Our home, Rick and Lucia's home, is a place of shalom. It's a pa- place of peace. And we we work hard and fight hard to make sure that it stays a peaceful place, a reflection of who we are as individuals, as born again people. And so as your child comes into your home, the ground rules have to be centered or flow out of that idea. You cannot disrupt the shalom of this home, number six. That's how I would appeal to you to think about ground rules. Number seven, many Messiah. I have to throw this in there because you're you're not the Savior. You are merely God's water boy or God's water girl. Your job is to cooperate with the Lord in the redemption of souls, but it's never right for you to cross that line to where it becomes your job to change him. Now, parents, we, me, and other parents, this is a huge temptation when it comes to our children that we want to oversteer the car. Well, if you attempt to oversteer the car, there are three things that are going to happen. Peace will flee frustrations will mount, and your relationships will splinter. Many Messiah, you're not the many Messiah. And so know your place, which is watering and planting and nothing more. Number eight is regret. One of the reasons that parents are tempted to put on the many Messiah cape is that they feel responsible for what their child has done or where the child is now, and they want to fix it, and so they double down and try harder. And and because what's going on in their minds is regret. Well, you have made mistakes in your parenting. So have I. I've never met a parent who parents perfectly. That just, that's not how it works. 
But then on the other side of that is the, the child who tries to manipulate the parent by, by reminding them of all the wrongs that the parent did. And perhaps the child is right, but nobody gets to play the victim here. Your child has the chance to change. And whatever the dynamics were in the home, there are no excuses for him or her not to do the right thing. And so if your child tries to manipulate you for being a bad parent, do not submit to that voice. And if you try to condemn yourself, don't submit to that voice either. You have to reorient your mind immediately because quite honestly, think about it this way. It is arrogance to think you can make a person be this or that. And so just as I was talking earlier about the mini Messiah thing, it is arrogance to think that you could change anyone. You can't change anyone to be good and you cannot make them be bad. You can't make a person become bad. And so if you're struggling with regret, be careful where your mind goes. Yeah, okay, you made mistakes, but your child, where he is now, is not your fault. And tied to regret, number eight, here's number nine, repent. If there were mistakes in your parenting past, and there were, there are in mine, then ask God and ask your child to forgive you. If you haven't done that already, hopefully you have been parenting all along, and of course you've been making mistakes all along, and you've been cleaning up your messes all along. But if there are outstanding sins hanging out there somewhere, then the most humble and wisest and courageous thing to do is to ask God to forgive you of those parenting sins and ask your child to forgive you as well. But as you think about your past, I'm going to go back to number eight, regret. Don't be overly introspective here. Don't go on a sin hunt and try to find every little blooming sin that you ever committed because there can be a temptation in your own heart to think if I this is one of the ways that I can I can fix my son by owning every possible thing that I've ever done. And so if it's a legitimate sin that's out there, do the right thing by trusting God and asking him to help you to walk out a repentance process. So don't oversteer the car on this one. Regret will put you in the ditch to where you will go in a, on a sin hunt. Arrogance will put you in the other ditch to where you won't repent of anything. But if there's something to repent of, please do, number nine. Number ten, responsibility. His life is chaotic. And so part of what you want to do, and you want this to be also tied to the ground rules that you give him as well, but his life is chaotic, and so you want to help him to reorder his life, put Humpty Dumpty back together again. The opposite of chaos is order, structure, putting him together and so whatever it takes for him to do that. Now, one of the ways that you can help him to reorder his life is to give him responsibility. Responsibility could also be uh, antithetical to chaos. Now, for example, let's say that 
that he doesn't have a job, well, one of the things that you want to appeal to him to do is to get a job. Now, by the way, if he gets a job, well, guess who else is going to be helping him with structure and responsibility and a well-ordered life? That will be his employer, and then you will have two people working with him. Now, think about an employer. If he doesn't do what the employer asks, he will be out of a job, and so there will even be, there's built-in motivation for him to do well on the job and to follow the rules and to live within this structure, and this will this will help him in this area of responsibility. And then you want to help inside of the home. You can act like an employer as well, and you give him rules to abide by, responsibilities that he has to do, and you make sure that he meets those responsibilities, because one of the kindest, kindest things that you can do is to give give him a task to do and 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 things to hit marks to hit and make sure that he's doing those things and he will grow in responsibility and that will begin to chip away at this chaotic life number 10 responsibility number 11 other children if you have other children in the home your child your rebellious child must must follow your leadership it's another reason you want him to be responsible because your foremost responsibility is to the other children, not the oldest child. And his sinfulness, again, cannot disrupt the shalom that should be in the children's lives as well. Now, depending on, one, if you have children, two, how many children you have, and then the ages of them, there's various formative stages of a child's life, physically and spiritually speaking. And so you want to protect them, these children, from evil influences. And depending on where they are in their formative stages, physically and spiritually speaking, you'll have to guard against the potential evil shenanigans from this wayward child. So you don't want to be unkind to him, but also you have a, a... a higher responsibility to the other children who are in that formative process of growing up spiritually and physically. Number 11, other children. Number 12, escalation. Ultimately, your child is rejecting God. He's not rejecting you primarily. And it's important that you understand this. I want you to keep this truth in view all the time. At the heart of your son's problems is his non-existent, might not be born again, or broken relationship with God, born again, but yet the relationship is broken at this point. Rather than choosing to follow Christ, he is seeking human-centered means to feel better, which could be sex, alcohol, weed, fill in the blank. And as he continues to do this, expect things to worsen because of his resistance to the Lord If you don't factor in an uptick in chaotic escalation, your disappointment will surprise you. Remember, he's resisting God, and as he continues to resist God, the way of the transgressor is hard, and so it can't get any better for him, and it's not going to be static. Therefore, there will be increasing escalation in dysfunction. And so you want to guard against this. And you also want to factor this in. As long as he uh, 
maintains his posture of opposition against God, and now he's in your home, I don't want you to be disappointed by increasing drama. And so you want to guard your heart. And one of the ways that you can do that, number 12, you can expect escalation of his dysfunction. Number 13, deception. Being deceitful comes with the dysfunctional package. And I don't want to be harsh but I do want, or cruel, but I do want to be realistic. And also lying comes in all sorts of forms. In fact, I have an article embedded here that I would love for you to read. He may not tell big lies, uh, but there will be deception going on because he will not be transparent, honest, humble, and moral regarding his current lifestyle. In fact, if he is being transparent, honest, humble, and moral in his current lifestyle, then he's probably not being deceptive. But because of where he's at right now, you can expect deception as part of the dysfunctional package. Now, you don't want to be suspicious of everything that comes out of his mouth. You want to be discerning. In one ditch, there is gullibleness. You're just naive and accept everything that he says. In the other ditch is, is cynicism, and you're suspicious of everything that he says. Practical wisdom sits between those two polar opposites. Number 13, deception. Number 14, stealing. Thievery. I, I mention this because it, it really flows out of the idea of deception. If he's in a chaotic life and not being responsible and he's doing all sorts of things and not paying his way, etc., there could be a temptation to steal things like your credit cards, cash, other things. Very practical thing. Depending on the depth of his depravity and how his depravity is unleashed, it will, it will determine how you want to think about this. Some wayward kids just need a break to get a leg up on life, and this doesn't apply. But I know that other kids, it's, the, the sin is deeper, and they're willing to burn relational bridges if they have to. And it's why I'm making this point, because I do want it to be in your, your awareness there will be many interested readers and listeners of, of this podcast, and I know this might not apply to many of them, but some of them it will. So number 14, stealing. Number 15, counseling. Perhaps one of your ground rules for him living with you is the condition of counseling. Insist that he meets for weekly or biweekly counseling sessions for an indefinite period that you can uh, hammer out the particulars of that. Perhaps he can meet with a, a biblical person in the church, someone who's really good at discipleship. You're trying to make a connection here. Uh, you're trying to, uh, Paul says that bad companions corrupt. And so you're trying to inverse that. And so, well, if bad companions corrupt, then surround him with good companions. It's another reason for him to get a job. And so you want to surround him with a, a disciple maker within your local church, if possible. It's adding a companion to the list. Your united marriage is a, another companion that can influence him as opposed to a, a divisive marriage because you're not unified. Uh, maybe church attendance would be part of the conditions for him uh, staying with you. You want to create ways for him to connect for help. And that's my, my point here. Make sure he's in a place where he's associating 
with appropriate biblical helpers. And so ask the Lord to give you insight, give you wisdom on, on how to approach this so that he can start building those companions. One of the things you'll want to address and you want to take his temperature on is his humility. If he's coming back into your home resistant, proud, selfish, stubborn, doing his own thing, you really want to think twice before you let him into your home. But he's coming back with a sense of humility. You remember how the prodigal son came back in, in Luke 15? I mean, it was a total surrender. Now, that is, that is worlds apart from the stubborn, proud, resistant, defiant person. And so depending on what kind of child you have here will depend on how you interact and the things that you require of him. And so number 15 is counseling, or you could say discipleship, and then number 16, community. I want to end pretty much with how I began in the beginning by seeking counsel, asking people into your life, uh, bringing people in because you, you're not guarded about your reputation. You're, you're resisting the temptation to polish your reputation because you realize that you need a close community of friends who are willing to walk with you through this. And so as you're surrounding him with companions, number 15, counseling, you also want to surround yourself with good companions, number 16, community. Now, I'm talking about, I mean, your marriage, your son, the other children, extended family, the church, but, but whoever these appropriate people are, you want to bring them in on this so that you can build your team. If you attempt to go at this alone, you're begging for more trouble than what it has to be. The title of the podcast, episode 223, How to Love the Rebel Adult Child in Your Home. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.